Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Welcome, everyone, to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those living with the disease live with purpose. Together, we can help everybody understand the true needs of this disease and how it ripples out and affects family and friends in our work environment in our neighborhoods. At our core, we know we can win this battle. And we're doing a great job uh, because we were recognized as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's by Share Care with Dr. Oz. And that, let me tell you, is not about me and Alzheimer's Speaks. That is about each and every one of you helping push the show out and all our other platforms, the blog, the dementia chats, um, the YouTube channels, and so forth. Your clicks, your likes, your sharing this information with others um, has really just um, just spread like like a pebble in the water there. So I thank you for that. And I, you know, if you like the show today um, and you think what we're doing is good stuff, you know, please go ahead and just take that second and click like. Um, share it with your friends, email it to your coworkers, let them know additional resources are out here because, again, Alzheimer's Speaks is about raising everyone's voice, not just mine, um, but it's really about helping people develop a toolkit to live better and work better with this disease. So we really hope that you will join us in terms of sharing knowledge. If you haven't checked out our website at www.alzheimerspeaks.com, and yes, that has two S's in the middle, um, please do so. There you'll be able to access the radio show, the um, blog, our YouTube channel, and Dementia Chats. Since Dementia Chats, which is a webinar series that I do twice a month on the second and fourth Tuesday, has gotten so popular, and people are using that now for training and family conversations, um, we will be rolling out an updated version of the website here later this week, and Dementia Chats is now going to have its own tab, and it's going to be pretty prominent on the site. So, um, And we will be doing that again today. So if you're around your computer, you can go and um, go to Dementia Chats 
Uh, you can find us on Facebook or you can go to the website. But we will be um, having a, a, a webinar this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Mountain, and noon um, Pacific time. And so I believe that's like 8 o'clock um, London time. And all of those are recorded just like the radio show here. If you're new, we really love to have you join the conversation, and you can do that in two ways. One, you can utilize the chat box and just make a comment or question, and I will be monitoring those um, as the show progresses. Uh, the other is to call in live to the show, and that number is 714-364-4757. Again, that number is 714-364-4757. And you'll be asked to push one. That gets you into my queue or my waiting room so that I know that you're there. And then I will identify you typically by area code um, and pull you into the conversation. Um, before I introduce our, our guest today, I do want to mention that our second guest was ill. And so Trevor Mumby from... Um, Across the Pond is not going to be able to join us today, so I'm going to kind of do uh, an open mic. If you have something that you would like uh, like to say about dementia, maybe it's an idea for a show, maybe it's something you're doing, um, feel free to go ahead and call in or, again, use the chat box, and um, we'll get your voice heard uh, for the second half um, of the show. In the meantime, I always like to mention Alzheimer's Disease International because that is the organization of all Alzheimer's associations around the world. So anywhere in the world you can find a organization to meet your needs, find the one that is closest to you. There's lots of great resources there. And you can either Google Alzheimer's Disease International or you can go to www dot a l z dot c o dot u k that's a l z dot c o dot u k a couple of other companies that I like to mention would be the the Louis Body Association. That is definitely uh, you know a very specific type of dementia, and there is help for you there. They use their initials, so it's L B D A dot org. Louis Body Dementia Association. L B D A dot org. And Norms McNamara, our um, best buddy from across the pond with his Purple Angel Project. If you're not familiar with that and you have anything at all to do with dementia, I highly recommend that you go and check that out. It's an absolutely beautiful symbol that can be used um, uh, in a global fashion so people know that you you understand dementia, that you are dementia aware. And you can just go to purpleangel.org.uk. Again, that's purpleangel.org.uk, or you can always Google the Purple Angel Project. And then my friend uh, Jane Snyder with Puzzle With Me has a great organization. Um, I suggest you check that out. And, again, that's just puzzlewithme.com. 
And for those of you looking for a study, uh, there's a great Tau study out right now, and you can go to www.alzheimerstudies.com. Again, that's alzheimerstudies.com. And then last, my friends at Music First with Coral Health, who just uh, do a magical job with music and uh, helping people connect. And you can go to their main site at uh, coralhealth.com, C-O-R-O, health.com, or you can visit the app store and just put in music first with Coral Health, and they will they will pop up there because it's also portable. So today's show, um, for this first half, we're going to be talking about um, kind of recharging your brain and lifelong learning. And we've got a wonderful woman with us by the name of Gloria Hoffner. And she is the owner and author of Science for Seniors, which is a hands-on activity that uses the latest brain research to provide fun and educational experiences for residents of all ages and abilities. She's a graduate of Temple University and a columnist for the Creative Forecasting Magazine and also about.com website, which is just loaded with great information. Gloria teaches science for seniors, music and memories, Power of the Press, and Transport to Adventure, um, all which are approved courses in person and also online. She um, is a speaker both at the local, state, and national levels, and she has been a musician for most of her life, and she continues to perform uh, live sing-alongs with her guitar. So welcome, Gloria. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, for those of you, if you're using the computer, you'll see her picture with her vol- uh, volcano. And um, <laughs> so I think we're going to have some interesting stories and ways uh, ways uh, that she's going to show us to engage. So why don't we start out with, I always like to ask people if they've personally been touched by Alzheimer's or dementia, just so people have a reference. Um, if if it is, and it hasn't touched everybody, but it has touched a lot. So have you been personally touched by the disease with family or friends? Yes, a, a very good friend of my mother, her husband, who I knew for many years, John, unfortunately, has passed away from the disease. Okay, okay. Well, sorry to hear that, but it, like you said, for most of us, we have been touched at, at one stage or another. Why don't you tell us how you got involved with science with seniors? How was that born? <laughs> well, what happened was I've had a lifelong interest in science, and when I was a young girl, I wanted to be an astronaut, but of course the United States in 1967 had no female astronauts. So I went to college and became a journalist, and whenever I got the chance, I'd write stories on science, and for a hobby, I'd read books on quantum mechanics and astrophysics. So after I left the newspaper business in 2007, I was playing music at various facilities on my own, and it was getting near the anniversary of Sputnik, and I proposed doing a program on Sputnik, since all of our retirees were the age that they remember Sputnik. So I did this program on Sputnik and space travel, and it was such a hit that they all said, could you come back next month and do another program? 
So I started doing monthly programs on science topics, and that led to a national award from the National Certification Council from Activity Professionals as the best new idea in activity programming. And that led to a book, Science for Seniors, published mm -hmm. by Idle Arbor. And so now I have the book, and I travel to conventions, and I still do them on-site at retirement communities and assisted living and adult day and memory care support. Okay. So I have to ask, um, can you t tell us what is Sputnik for not not everybody's going to know, and I'm one of them. Okay. Sputnik is the first artificial satellite that orbited the Earth. It was launched by the Soviet Union, and it launched the space age and the space race between the Soviet Union and the United States. Okay. And the 50th anniversary was October 2007. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I got that cleared up. See, I learn something new every single day. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Um, is it when you when you are out there, you know, doing your thing with science for seniors? Is it is it something that's difficult um, or more challenging to do with people that have Alzheimer's disease or some other form of dementia? It really isn't more challenging. I do the exact same program from independent and memory care for two real reasons. Number one is we never, ever lose our sense of curiosity. I've had 89-year-old people roll up to me and say, I just want to know why the sky is blue. And they kind of whisper it to me because they don't want people to know that they don't know the answer, and most of the room doesn't. I've mm -hmm. had people, um, and I also find that the excitement of learning something new doesn't change. So that I've had people with dementia who had stopped speaking, but they brought them into the program, and when I handed them a piece of volcano, all of a sudden they were telling everybody the details of their visit to a volcano, pictures they took, programs they did with school children, amazed the staff. So the fact that important memories stay with you and you never lose your sense of curiosity makes it usable for everybody. Okay. Well, and I think that that's a really good point, that, you know, everybody likes to learn, everybody likes to be engaged, everybody likes to have purpose. And, you know, why um, there's this um, false set of stigmas out there that says you've got dementia, you know, everything goes away. You know, that's a that's a big a big barrier that we really have to break down because even when someone's diagnosed in all stages, you know, we still want to connect. We still want to be engaged. We want to feel apart. And what a great way um, to do that um, through what you're doing, um, being able to create a story and reminiscing and and thanks. I think that that's absolutely wonderful. Can you um, give us a, an idea of um, when you've got a group of people with memory loss, um, what size group do you typically work with? And can you kind of give us a, a typical exercise that you do or program? Yes. Um, I work with a group in that case from 5 to 20 residents. Okay. And, oh, one other thing I want to say before I go forward is a lot of times we also, I'll come in a place and they'll say, Joe was a, he's a, he was an engineer. He put, was an engineer. When the truth is, Joe is a retired engineer if he lived in the community, and he still knows that engineer knowledge. Anyway, I just want mm -hmm. to put that as a side fact. Anyway, so what I do is, let's say the program is birds. 
So I come in, and first I do trivia about birds, like a bald eagle starts with a brown head and he gets a white head as he ages, and that they mate for life, things like that. And then I bring artificial samples of bird egg sizes. It's illegal to own real reserved eggs of wild birds. And then they can each hold the egg and feel them. And when I put the egg in their hand, they can feel and see the difference between a chicken egg and a hawk egg and an ostrich egg. And, again, everybody can do that. And then I have I use rope sometimes, and I'll make on a piece of big rope the size difference from the wingspan of a sparrow, a robin, and an eagle. And a lot of times I'll have residents hold up their arms at their side and see if they can stretch as far as an eagle. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of trivia and a lot of hands-on. And then as an experiment, every program has an experiment, I dissolve an egg in vinegar because I ask them, how does a chick breathe through the shell? And mm-hmm. no one ever thinks about that, no matter what level they are. And when you dissolve the egg and they can see that now there's the yolk sac around the part of the shell, so you only see it if you dissolve it with vinegar, and they can see the center holding that and feeling it, and if you take it out and you let it dry over a few days and they feel how the shell rehardens itself, it's just an amazing thing that anybody can see and experience. Well, interesting. One footnote, I had a man, a place called me because they only wanted a program on birds. They had a man with memory loss who had uh, had a distinguished career in business, and he wouldn't leave his room for anything. He wouldn't talk to anybody. And she said, but he watches the birds out his window. Could you do the birds? Mm-hmm. So I came and did this program on the birds, and afterwards it was moving for me. He took my hands in his. He had tears in his eyes, and he said, thank you. It's the best thing that's happened to me since I've been here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's why we do what we do. <laughs> that's right. why we do what we do. Um, and, and that's just such powerful stuff to make that connection you know, on that level, to make somebody's day special, to make them, you know, feel like they belong. And, um, I mean, that's that's huge. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So when you're talking about birds, do you, um, I mean, some people bring birds in. Do you use pictures? Do you, how do you, how do you present to the group um, to be able to keep attention? Well, I don't have live birds. I do bring, Mm -hmm. like I said, the models of the bird eggs. I bring Mm -hmm. actual bird feathers, so they see the feathers and the size differences. They can see them, feel them. And I do bring a video so they can see birds in flight. And sometimes I'll bring still pictures of birds so they can pass them around and see them. So it's very hands-on. Okay, which makes a lot of sense, and and, um, touch and texture are so important, I have found anyways, um, for, you know, keeping people engaged with things. I I mean, I I like it myself, you know. I I think it's good for for all of us, so not necessarily just somebody with dementia. Um, so that's neat. Do you, do you find, um, that you get a, that you typically draw a certain type or stage of person with dementia to your groups? I would imagine end stages, you're not going to, um, aren't going to participate because they're just not going to be able to. Right. Um, sometimes like where I was yesterday, they bring people of every single stage in. And you're right, earlier can do more than late. But sometimes mid-stage surprises them how much they'll engage. And even yep. in the 
in final stages, I let them hold the rock or hold the egg because you don't know what's going to maybe make a connection. Mm-hmm. Which is very true. Um, and do you find when you are working with this population that you have to change your you know, facilitator skill level or to look for different things that you might not have to in other groups? No, I really don't. I bring the same for every group because for every group it's hand-on, it's tactile, it's an experiment. Um, So I might answer more questions for the independent group. You know, they might have more questions for me. But the actual presentation when I'm doing it is all very tactile, so it's the same that way. Okay, because I, I know for me, you know, I just found, and this is just with my own mom, was that I, I found that I had to start looking for different things, different signs than what I had noticed before because she wasn't maybe as verbal. So I had to start looking for more nonverbal signs um, and things. And you had mentioned when, you know, you had said, when, and sometimes people are really surprised at what happens uh, you know, mm-hmm. during these interactions. Do you have any other um, stories of kind of that awakening or that, you know, just kind of surprised people in terms of interaction? Yes, because with each of them, I go to, when I'm handing out the supplies, I'm walking up to each person individually and saying what it is. So mm-hmm. I do one on global warming. And I was doing global warming, and I do this thing where you can put fingers in ice to feel how cold it is, then you can wrap them in a Crisco thing to explain how polar bears can swim in the ice and you don't feel mm-hmm. cold. So I was doing this around the room and um, explaining about the Arctic and the Antarctic and birds and things like this. And this one woman I was working with was more advanced dementia. Okay? She suddenly said, I was in Antarctica. I was in Antarctica. And, I saw, and the staff, it, it was like, President Obama just walked in the door. Their door, their jaws dropped, and they were like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my God! Martha's talking! Martha's talking!" And then, but a couple of them were cynical, and they said, "Oh, oh, she was never in the Antarctic. Give me a break. She was never." Well, yes, she was because she went on to tell us that when she lived in Chile, her and her husband sailed to the Antarctic on a vacation, cool. and she knew every detail of that trip and what she saw and. Feeling the water and seeing the polar bear and having that experience physically in the moment of science for seniors brought it all back to her. Yeah, it's totally different. It is very interesting um, this disease and you know what will cause a reaction or not. And I think that's one of the the things that we have to remember the most is to never give up. And don't right. think you and don't think you know the outcome because you don't. Um, because there's a lot of I mean, if you think of just with ourselves, how many surprises there are in any conversation. You know, people don't know great detail about most people, and mm-hmm. so there's so much in there to be able to be pulled out. Um, and just because somebody looks one way or is living a particular life today doesn't mean their life wasn't very very different earlier and you know i think that's some of the really exciting stories that come out you know on the adventure and right. and things you know with people and they want to they want to share or others that maybe didn't get to go there but always wanted to and will tell you about what they wanted to do um right. even if they weren't part of that 
So when it comes to, um, you know, uh, uh, these presentations, do you do them all over or do you do them primarily locally? Well, at the actual retirement communities, I do them in Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New Jersey, where I travel Mm -hmm. for a day and do it with the residents. Um, I teach at conventions, and those are nationally and this year even in Canada. And when I go to the conventions, what I'm doing is teaching activity directors how to do this with their residents and therapeutic Mm -hmm. recreation people. I just did their. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, I go further and I present the programs. I have been approached about coming and doing a circuit of programs for residents in different states, and I'd like to try and work that out next year, where along with teaching the staff, I would spend a day before at the community and actually do the program or a couple programs with the residents. Okay. Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful. Um, it would almost be neat to be able to do it as an example at a convention with a few with a few people to just show them, you know, live what it's really what it's really like, and and right. how it how it works. Um, I would imagine there's a cost involved in terms of of having you come out to do this. I would imagine this is part of your livelihood. Is that correct? It is. It, it is correct, and it depends on how far I have to travel. Mm-hmm. So if okay. I if I'm doing it locally, um, it's it's like 100 to 150 dollars if I can do it in a day and come back. Um, when I travel to the conventions, it's my expenses plus 200 dollars uh, for the session. So mm-hmm. because I'm I'm probably the only person you're going to meet going through the airport with a volcano, a shark jaw, and a bag of baking soda. <laughs> I would imagine you've got some stories, airport stories to tell about those. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's got to be more difficult getting all that stuff through. I mean, just, I mean, and it's so much more costly, don't I? I suppose I shouldn't even get started on the whole airport situation. But I, I know for me, when I travel too, it's just very interesting on how to be able to maneuver everything. And I, I don't have anything bizarre, you know, with, with me like a shark head or a, or a volcano that I'm trying to trying to travel with. Um, and I know sometimes I, you know, I'll just mail it ahead versus even dealing with the with the uh, airlines altogether, uh, just to make it a little bit a little bit simpler there. Um, do you have? Can I just say um, one, other, one Sure. I was just going to say one other thing on that. What's really important to stress too is. Everything I do, I mean, the objects that I bring are kind of unusual, meteorite, a shark troll. But the actual science experiment and the way people can do it with their residents are really everyday items that are safe. So ahead of time, I'll say to them, I need two eggs, four pitchers of water, you know, three jars of vinegar, et cetera, because you're going to use an egg and vinegar to explain how bird shells form. You're going to use flour, seasoned salt, and a baking pan and rocks to explain how the craters formed on the moon. Going to use mm-hmm. quick um, cornstarch to explain how quicksand works. So it's very easy products that you can raid your own community's kitchen and uh, housekeeping. You could show the toilet, the size of the solar system with a roll of toilet paper. I say it's very okay. everyday items, and a lot of times they'll just have them for me when I get there. And I set them up. Okay, is this something that you know people would be able to? Um, kind of reproduce after they have you out, um, you know, or is this all copyrighted stuff or, you know, how how does that work? So if a community wants to have you out, um, 
you know, is it something that they can do over time or is there really a certain skill set that you need to be able to pull this off? Well, Science for Seniors is a registered trademark. Okay? Um, in the book, Science for Seniors, if you buy the book and you take the class, and you can also take the class online, raronline.org, um, you're going to have everything you need to do a program at your facility. It's going to give you the trivia facts, the experiment, suggestions of where you can get pictures and videos, and suggestions of books with pictures in them. So you're going to be able to do the whole program, and you're going to learn the four steps to the program. And the online course, if you take that for eight CEUs, it gives you a program for every month so that January is snowflakes, February is heart, so that a whole year's worth is set up. The book has over 50 programs, and the online course has 12 programs. And if you learn the course and use the book or the online course information, you can ha easily do it, like I said, with anybody at your building because you're going to need just everyday basics, and it's going to give it to you step by step. First make this, then pour in this, then pour in that, et cetera. Oh, okay. So um, to get the book, is that easiest to get through your website, or is that something they just go to Amazon to purchase? It's available on my website, guitarwithgloria.com, and I have a separate scienceforseniors.net, or it's available through Amazon, either one. Okay. But okay. If, if you go to tarwithgloria.com, you can see a sample page from the book, a whole bear experiment. If you want to try an experiment before you order the book, you can do mm -hmm. that too. And, and what was that? I, 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 it sounded like tar, and I don't think it was tar. Oh, with no, Gloria. Guitar with Gloria. Oh, guitar. So guitar. Like the, music. Q I P A R. Yeah. G U I P A R. W-I-T-H, right. Well, that makes a lot more. Okay, okay. Um, and, the, and if you, the online course with the 12 months of programming, that's raronline.org. Okay, wonderful. So what out of you know all of the um different activities that you have what are the what are your two favorites that you haven't talked about so far will be two of your okay. additional Oh favorites. well my personal favorite is space because I love space travel Mhm mm So when I do the space program um I come with a roll of toilet paper and you mark off the planets based on the sheets of the toilet paper and when you roll it out, you get to show show just how far it is from here to Pluto. Because if you just say oh. miles in your head, that doesn't mean anything. Uh -huh. I also love the ocean. I bring all kinds of ocean stuff. And I love the trivia for the ocean. I'll say a blue whale is the largest creature in the ocean. A blue whale is as large as three school buses end to end. Really? With a heart the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Because I do very visual <laughs> trivia. I don't say, you know, the distance to the galaxy is well. It's better to say, look how far apart the planets are, you know. Mm -hmm. I make a black hole out of a ping pong ball, and after I, at the end of a program, I'll say, someday the sun will be smaller than this ball in my head. And wow. that's so everything very visual, because I think that way people grasp it better. If I just said to you 100 feet, most people can't imagine 100 feet, but when you say three school buses, 
then they could see the whale next to the school buses. Yep. Yeah, well, and when you just said three school buses and a heart the size of a Volkswagen, you just kind of go, you, <laughs> that's big. That's really big. Right. You know? um, yeah, so I, I can see where that would work and get people engaged and exciting. Plus, it um, you put it in a way that's kind of fun and easy to remember so that they can share that fact then with somebody else, too. Um, and I love where, the things I leave them. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I love to leave them things to do with their grandchildren. I always say, do this with your grandchildren. So, for instance, when I'll do a volcano, I'll say to them, ask your grandchildren, can a rock float? And when they say no, you know, then get the pumice from your bathroom that you use to wipe the calluses off your feet. Pumice is hardened rock from a volcano, hardened volcanic ash, and it will float. And then you say to them, see, there is a rock that floats. Your grandpa still knows that. Or whether you can hear the ocean in a shell, which you can do the same thing with a coffee cup. And I said, you know, have them close their eyes. So these are things that I say, do this with your grandchildren. And I get such a twinkle out of the residents' eyes because I can tell they're going to do this with their grandchildren to show that they still one up them, even if they can't play Xbox 3. Sure, sure. Which, yeah, and, you know, everybody brings something different to the table, and, you know, kids love to learn too. So that's a that's a fun little, you know, fact that they can then turn around and, and share as well, which is absolutely absolutely fabulous. So, um any anything else that um you know, why don't you tell us about your you know, you're talking about your science for seniors, but you also do your, your music and memories. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you offer there? Okay, um, my first business was Guitar with Gloria, and mm-hmm. I started playing at communities while I was still a newspaper reporter and liked it so much that I do it full-time. And I've had fabulous experience with playing music for people with dementia. I've had um, a woman, I was playing a song, and she was with her husband, and he was visiting her because she was no longer able to live at home, and she was pretty advanced. And while I was playing a Frank Sinatra song, she leaned over to him and said, you and I heard Frank sing that at the Latin Casino, which was a big popular place in Philadelphia years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was just stunned that he was so happy. His face just all lit up. And another time I was scheduled to play and I arrived and the director had too many volunteers, Christmas time. And I've mm-hmm. been a Girl Scout for 50 years, now I can remember. And she said, I have too many Girl Scouts. Can you do something? I said, yeah, they'll come sing with me. So I asked the girls what song they would play. And I had um, Verna, I'm changing all these names, who was in also very advanced, not speaking. And we went down and we I had the girls sing a couple of Girl Scout songs. The change in her was amazing. She just like sat up in the chair and said, I was a Girl Scout leader. I was a Girl Scout leader. I went to Camp Sunshine. And again, like it was like jaw-dropping. And her daughter from out of state came to visit her three weeks later and Verna mm-hmm. knew every detail and her daughter came over to me and said oh i'm so sorry my mother doesn't know what she's saying because she was her mother was telling her i was a girl i said yes she does and they were just stunned because she doesn't remember the names of her children and yet this every time i saw her she'd remember that i was a girl scout leader so the power of music is very strong i do a powerpoint presentation at conventions on it and everybody who's interested i think you should there's a great book called this is your brain on music by mm-hmm. Dr. Levin, and it tells you the fact that the reason you remember music and not other subjects 
is that because music is stored in different parts of your brain so that you remember the melody, the words, the emotion you felt when you heard some songs, where you were when you heard the songs, who you were with when you heard the songs, so the brain can find it easier because it's in more places. And the other thing is I recommend to people who are going to do music with people of all ages is studies have confirmed that the music that you'll know the best your whole life is the music of your teens and 20s. So Mm -hmm. I get the average age of the group I'm playing for and make sure to include songs from their teens and 20s because this is what they know the best. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, it it just... It makes a ton of sense. Plus, our emotions, I think, are a little bit higher, you know, at that that time in our life, too. And so they're probably tied in a little bit deeper. Um, but I've also seen a lot of people just even with lullabies from, you know, very young children that, you know, and I found it for myself. Someone asked me, you know, well, what's a lullaby? I couldn't probably name one. But as soon as I hear the tune, then I know the words and, and um you know the flow to it and stuff. So it 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 is kind of funny how how it works um, within our system. Hey, That's oh, go ahead. Because in stages. Oh, I'm sorry. In stages, you'll remember your teens and twenties first. Then you remember the music that your parents listened to or sang to you. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, you'll remember uh, cultural music events. And they've just done a study in London that. Also, current children know the music of their grandparents because they heard it or they were sitting in the back of the car in their car seat. So that's the way that it goes. Okay, so teens to 20s and then what your parents mm-hmm. listen to and then your cultural music of your of your era. Interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I I have found music, you know, so very important with my own mother and um uh, how it's just really been magical you know with her absolutely un unbelievable the um the connection and you know the ability to just come alive um when she's basically sleeping or just kind of in her own little world very tired but that music comes and it's it's almost like someone just put a little battery in her and, you know, she'll do, she might not be able to get up and do a jig anymore, but, you know, her hands start dancing and her mouth starts trying to move to the words and, um, you know, her toes start tapping. I mean, it, it's just pretty special to to be part of. Um, and I'm not musically inclined at all. I can ruin a song by singing in two seconds, but... but um, I can still appreciate music and um what it I know what it does for me and it's nice to see that it can still do that for my mom even in her in her end stages with that. Now do you find with music that you can do too much music so that you really need a break so that um so that the person with dementia has an appreciation for it as as they um, progress in the disease? Because I know that there's a theory of that, too. You can't have music playing all the time. You know, I, I hear that. And, I, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where I sit on that one. What's your thought? Well, I try and do music in one-hour segments, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for people who don't sing, you know, and I respect, I bring handheld jingle sticks. You go on the internet, mm-hmm. look, J-I-N-G-L-E, jing, that are adult-like but easy to grip. 
so that they can shake along or tap along and smile. And um, I do feel that although music is universal, the appreciation of music, I think when you're doing music, you need to know what music your group likes because everybody from Texas does not like cowboy songs. And mm-hmm. everybody from the 1960s doesn't like the Rolling Stones. And I actually was entering a retirement community where they piped the music in, you know, all day long. And there were two mm-hmm. nice women sitting in the lobby, and I overheard their conversation because I was at the desk. And they were saying how they were sick to death of hearing Frank Sinatra 24-7 on the same repeat tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somebody who's fabulous as Frank Sinatra can be worn out if if you're playing it and it's becoming like static instead of like music. Yep. Yeah, it just becomes kind of that white noise, that background noise, and then the appreciation is lost. I mean, I, I mean, for me, I mean, I like music, and and I can play the same CD over and over and over, and then all of a sudden I just get to the point of okay, I've I've worn that out, you know. And sometimes I can I can listen to it for a long time, and other times it's like nope, I want everything on shuffle. I don't even want to know what's coming my way, <laughs> you know. So it depends kind of on my on my mood as well but i've i found for my mom and again i don't know if it's just her or just the times i've seen that she just seems calmer even if even if the music is on all the time there just seems to be more of a peacefulness to her and maybe it's more of a peacefulness for me i don't know you know because sometimes it's it's hard to tell um but you know, as a daughter, I, like I said, maybe I'm just feeling that she would like that, and so I'm maybe I'm projecting that, and maybe she really wants to scream, "Turn that dang thing off!" You know, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not sensing any angst with her. But she was also a woman who absolutely loved music and always had music on in the background, either music or, or talk radio in her day um, was just part of a, a normal piece of her her life there with that. Well, there's, um, oh, there's research to back it up. The National Institute of Nursing found that listening to music reduced patient pain levels, and I've mm-hmm. seen that in action. And the National Institute of Health and Education Services found that music tempo improved a patient's mood and their heart rate, steadied their heart rate. And I've, I had an incident where I was going to play, and I was setting up, and the... Uh, Nurse brought in a woman in a wheelchair with her leg in some kind of cast, and the, all the time she's coming in the room, the woman's saying, I don't want to be here. I want to be in bed. I don't want to be here. I want to be in bed. I'm in pain. I want to be in bed. I want to be in bed right now. Mm-hmm. And she put her right in front of me, and inside I'm thinking, oh, goody, because <laughs> she kept yelling. <laughs> but I started playing, and she stopped yelling, but growling at me. And by the end of the hour, she was not only singing with me, she was asking me when I would come back, and she was smiling and beaming. And screaming for her pain medicine and being dead and all was a thing of the past. Yep. And that's the power of music. Well, you know, it gets you thinking about something else besides, uh, you know, the pain you're in. And it gets you engaged again. And, you know, when we don't have anything to occupy our time, then if we're pain or if we're ill, that becomes the main focus. I think that happens with just about anybody. And so, right. you know, this shouldn't be a big shock <laughs> to to any of us. You know, we try when we're raising our kids, I mean, to keep them busy and occupied um, so that they don't get into trouble, you know, or they go down the right path. And, 
And I think that that's something, again, that pertains to us as adults as well. You know, um, and especially when you're dealing with, with illness, you know, you've got that fine line where people can fall into depression and stuff too. And, you know, when people, again, have purpose and feel engaged, um, they're less likely to be depressed. They're less likely to to feel pain, um, mm-hmm. you know, and things. Uh, it, you know, it just kind of offsets the, the old chemical chemical balance within us. Any favorite stories of, of when you would go in and, and um, do your singing with people in terms of anything else you want to share there? Yes, um, I find that um, spiritual music is a great comfort to people. I mentioned that I do know a man who sadly passed away from Alzheimer's, and he had been a deacon in the Methodist Church. And yet, in the last stages of his disease, he was, I guess, having very big flashbacks of his time in the war, and he would Mm -hmm. lash out and hit me like he, you know. And yet, when I would go in and play hymns on Sunday morning, he was right back to being a deacon. He knew every word. He was the gentleman again. He knew me again. It was amazing. And I've seen that time and time again. There's a man at a Jewish retirement home where I play, and I asked to stay one day for the Shabbat service. And this man isn't vocal anymore either. And when the rabbi came in and started singing the opening prayers for the Shabbat service, this man knew every word in Hebrew. He came alive and he knew it. I play for hospice patients, and I've had hospice patients request specific hymns that mean something to them. And one woman even wanted me to spend the whole hour doing nothing but playing the same hymn from her childhood over and over. It's a very deep connection. It's the music. It's the childhood. It's the one woman said to me, it's the place that I feel at peace. The music from her church gives her a sense of peace, even though she's living in a memory care unit and doesn't know the names of her children. It's a very deep connection. Yeah, and and I think that that just makes so much sense. Um, I mean, it's kind of like how how could that not? I mean, when it's ingrained into, you know, a piece of your life in a special time, I mean, mm-hmm. that that would only make that would only make sense to uh to have that give that kind of comfort um, you know, to somebody. And uh, I know with, with my mom, there was a Oh, I had a music therapist come out and and she sang. Um, oh gosh, I'm gonna forget the name of the song, but you hear it a lot at funerals. Um, oh my goodness, what's it? What is it? Um, on Angel's um, Wings. Amazing Grace. What? Amazing Grace. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, yep, Amazing Grace. Actually, that was the one. And um, people are like, oh, that's so sad, that's so depressing. And I said, you're just projecting, looking at my mom, that she's dying. But my mom was very peaceful with the song. That's not where she went at all. you know. And, and my mom has been in her end stages for four years, which, again, just tells us that you know, we don't know, you know, what's going on. But um, it's interesting how we all interpret things different because of our own past and our attitude towards things. And it's important to really zone into what it is is going on with them. Um, Rose is saying, uh, she says, I agree, music plays um, an important part. And uh, wonder if you ever played different kinds of music, classical, rock, waltz, um, or another beat, and have the patterns 
uh, or have the patients draw with uh, magic markers to the music um, mm-hmm. while changing the tempos. Have you ever tried something like that? That's an interesting concept. No, I haven't, but I'm going to try it now that you suggested it. I like that idea. Yeah, I, I think that would be really a fun, fun art project and um, I I think that that would be yeah I could see that being really really interesting. It'd be fun to see um, what they come up with if you post those. If you do do that, maybe you can write an article mm-hmm. and give us some examples mm-hmm. of how that yeah. how that worked. That would be really interesting. Rose is saying yes, try it, and and then you can sell their work. Yep, which might easily be too um it would be neat to be able to have some cards or posters or uh things that people can invest in and reuse and and understand um you know what's going on with this with this disease as a whole um any oh, other yeah, stories? One other th- mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. one other story one other thing i want to say is that um now a lot of times um there's an ipod project if you google it um, a company that's putting together iPods for people to listen to in their room. Or um, we have a lot of people in this country who are immigrants from other countries, and you can put mm-hmm. their childhood music, their teenage songs from Greece, from Spain, from on an iPod for them to listen to when maybe the whole room doesn't want to listen to Japanese guitar music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's really special to them. And the other thing I try to say to people is that um, it's very important if you're running a facility to make sure that your staff honors the musical wishes of the residents, even the residents who appear to be sleeping. Okay, uh-huh. There's a wonderful book called Stroke of Insight, and it's the story of a neuroscientist who herself had a stroke at a young age. She could feel herself going into it. And what, mm-hmm. one of the things she says in the book is that she could tell when staff would come in and change the music to their music because they were cleaning the room or bathing her or talking to her, and she found it very irritating because she didn't want to listen to rap or she didn't want to listen to Elvis or she didn't want And it was a dishonor to her personal space. And she writes about this because she says maybe they thought, oh, she doesn't know and I might as well listen to something I like. But she mm-hmm. did know the whole time. She could feel their emotions. She could hear the music. And hearing is your last sense. So that, you know, it's important for everyone to be respectful of their the music choices of the people that they're caring for, that even if, like, I'm not a jazz person. I just don't, I appreciate, but I don't like jazz. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to go in and, if I was working with them, I wouldn't say, so I'm turning off that Miles Coltrane CD because I can't stand it. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to be the music they like, not the music the staff thinks they should like. And I was playing at a place, and, and I and then I didn't get a job from them in a while, and I met one of the residents, this was at an independent place, and um, he said, Amelia, we miss you so much, but the new director only wants classical music. And we don't like classical music, but she insists on having classical music for all of us. It's always got to be what they like, not what you think is good for them. You know? Yeah, which which makes, uh, I mean, to me, that just makes a ton, a ton of sense. But, um, you know, everybody, they read different reports and hear different things, and it is interesting how things get changed. But... Um, again, if you're looking for them to react, then you have to go back to the core of what do you know you know making it about them and pertinent to to them you know as a whole, which um again to me isn't rocket science to figure out, but 
sometimes people get swayed um, by an article, and I think it's okay to try things out and see what happens oh, because yeah. as we talked, we don't always know what the outcomes are going to be, but I think it's something that people really need to assess as they're going through the process and go, okay, this works, or maybe this works for these three, but these other guys really react and enjoy this over here and getting to truly know your know your groups and right. uh and and what what's going to be most beneficial if you're trying to be trying to be person centered um are there any other things that you'd like to share with us as a whole here Gloria today or no uh, I really really appreciate this opportunity and anybody who would like to um, have a sample of Science for Seniors, if they would email me at Guitar with Gloria. It's G-U-I-T-A-R-W-I-T-H-G-L-O-R-I-A at yahoo.com. I'll send you a sample. If you have any questions about any of the research and you want to know more, I'll send you the research. If you want to see about a PowerPoint for your group, I can do that. And I'm also on YouTube. Science for Seniors is on YouTube if you want to see a demonstration of some of the experiments. Oh, So if I can be of any anybody, let me know. Okay. Well, that's that's great to know. Um, well, it's really been a pleasure to have you on the show today and to learn more about what you're doing and, you know, what others can, um, you know, can grab for information. And will you um, give out the, the websites one more time for your book if people want to go ahead and pick that up? Yes. Science for Seniors is at guitarwithgloria.com. It's also on scienceforseniors.net, those are my two websites, and it's available also at amazon.com and at barnesandnoble.com, and you can also get it as a Sony e-book, and the publisher is Idle Arbor Incorporated. So in any okay. of those locations, you can find the book Science for Seniors. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being part of our show, and keep us posted if you do that uh, that experiment that Rose had suggested with playing the different types of music at different paces when you know they're coloring or using magic marker or paints, you know, whatever um, mm-hmm. mode you think would be best. It'd be really interesting to to be able to see that, and we'd love to be able to share that um, with our audience here on Alzheimer Speaks. So do you have any big plans for the for the weekend coming up here? Well, actually, um I'm finally going on vacation. <laughs> so I'm oh, I'm doing the ocean at a place this afternoon, so I'm gonna be um explaining how the Gulf oil spill was cleaned up with human hair. And if you want uh-huh. a really weird reaction, Liz, go to your hairdresser and tell her you need a bag of hair to experiment on. It'll <laughs> so definitely get to a smile. And then my husband and I are going to the Pocono Mountains to spend a week. We are unfortunately won't have internet connection, or that might be a fortunate thing. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just nice to get away. Sometimes it's just nice to get away. Well, good for you. Well, again, I thank you so much for for being on the program with us. So, um, you have a great uh, great holiday weekend, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Bye, bye now. Bye. Um, I want to um, just mention a a couple of um, things. Again, if you have any comments um, or 
questions, uh, things that you want to talk about. Our second guest, uh, Trevor uh, Mumby, is very ill and was not able to make the show. And I know I've got one caller on the line that I'll get to in just a minute here, but I do want to make a couple of announcements to people. Um, First of all, if you weren't able to listen to the last radio show of August 20th, we talked about avoiding legal issues and some innovative um, ways to create um, adult day centers with with a couple of experts. It was very interesting. Our next show will be next Tuesday, the 3rd. And that we are going to talk with um, Jane Snyder with Puzzle With Me. And we're also going to talk with the developers of the Game of a Lifetime, which is really a very cool interactive game that I think will be very interesting. Our last Dementia Chats was on the 13th. And for that segment, we talked about friends and family and just engaging. And today... At 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, uh, noon Pacific Time, and 8 o'clock London Time, we will be doing another Dementia Chats webinar. Again, those are free, so we would love to uh, see you be part of that. Uh, The Dementia Chats is a platform where I interview people with dementia, and it's very interactive with our audience as well, uh, utilizing the chat box. Some of the um, past blogs uh, since our last show, um, Dr. Gordon Atherley interviewed myself and Michael Ellenbogen on his radio show called Caregivers Unite Radio, and that was a real interesting conversation you might want to listen to. Uh, there was also an article by Rick Phelps, the founder of Memory People, on uh, wanting things to be normal. We got a lot of feedback on that article and, and um, thanked uh, Rick for sharing that with us. And for those of you that have not seen the KSTP news feature that was done on Arthur's Memory Cafe, I have to say it's excellent. Um, John Gross did a, just a beautiful, beautiful job um, capturing our members and why these are so useful and helpful. Um, and it's it's about a four-minute piece, um, but I think it's well worth your time. We've just been getting wonderful comments on that, um, especially through my LinkedIn groups have, have really, really um, engaged that. If you do watch it, I would appreciate you making a comment on the KSTP site. Uh, my my uh, thing with media is the more comments they get on if it's articles or radio or uh, or uh, video, uh, the more likely they're going to do another story on that. So I would encourage you to make a comment. There was also an article done on the 18th uh, talking about cocoa and coconut oil. You know, are they for real or not? We'd love to hear your thoughts. And then Barry from Indonesia did an um, article on tips for a person who is diagnosed with dementia. So those are kind of the the um, the most recent articles that are out there. I do want to mention that Katie Couric is going to be doing a special on Alzheimer's. They just shot it yesterday, and I'll keep you posted as I know more on that one. Uh, it sounds like they're going to interview a, a family who is dealing with young onset and a doctor with that, but... Um, any exposure that we can get from the media would be fantastic. So, again, I will 
keep you updated on that. And then last, um, Alzheimer's Speaks uh, website, we are hoping to roll out our next version of the site here. I'm hoping it could even happen today, but I'm going to say by the end of the week. You know how that goes. This was a, a project that we thought would get done much sooner, and I should know better after all my years of dealing <laughs> dealing with websites. Um, again, for those of you that are just joining us, if you are looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, check out ADI or Alzheimer's Disease International. Um, or you may want to check out the Lewy Body Dementia Association as well. And then don't forget about that Tau study, and you can find that at alzheimerstudies.com, or you can go to Facebook to the Alzheimer's team and find them. I believe I've got a caller on the line here, so let's see. I think, I think, I think it's Gary LeBlanc. Gary, is this you? That's me. How you doing? It's Good, good. Well, I'm just dying to hear what you're up to and how the um, the Purple Angel wristband is going. So can you give us an update? We are uh, just finishing up. The, tomorrow will be the seventh and the last training session that we have going on at the hospital. And the program officially starts September 3rd, the day after Labor Day. So things have been going great, really, as far as this goes on. And um, i got to tell you, we um, I brought in our Hernando County Sheriff's Department. I'm out of here, out of uh, Spring Hill, Brooksville, Florida. And mm-hmm. they have been fantastic in this. I've mean, I got to say, I'm so impressed with them. I just, they're taking notes. They're asking all the right questions. I'm talking about the sheriffs and deputies and the detectives they've sent in. Uh, last, mm-hmm. Yesterday's session, we, they brought in all the sheriffs from the jail. And they were telling me stories like, that I all these people in there with dementia that don't belong there but got put there because they basically were misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So it's really been good to bring the community in with this whole project on this. It's been fantastic. Um, like I said, what's this, uh, tomorrow's the last session of it in the training. The All-Time Association has partnered in. They're doing uh, communications behaviors. Those are the two things they're teaching on it throughout the session. Uh, we're offering uh, two educational credits for the course. It's a two-hour class that we're basically teaching at the hospital. Okay. And, mandatory and, for all the nurses and the CNAs and all that, mandatory for them. So. Okay. And how have people been responding to it? What what um have they really been embracing this as a whole? Have you have you seen different groups of people respond differently throughout the um, hospital? I will say the most comment I hear most often is how come we do not have this already? <laughs> that is where I hear everywhere. I mean, it's like because it really is a simple matter, but it's just. Uh, but the training is the most important part of this. You can't just put the wristband, mark somebody with dementia in the hospital without the proper training. And the mm-hmm. truth of it, these people in the hospitals and the medic, uh, health professionals, they just don't have it. Mm-hmm. So I've done six classes now, and at the class I ask everybody. I explain to everybody how dementia is not a disease and how this symbol stands for all dementias. And I ask them, I go, how many people here know what Lewy body dementia is? I've had one person in six classes raise their hand. Mm-hmm. And these are that medical doesn't professionals. doesn't surprise me. Yep, it does uh, doesn't not surprise, surprise me either. Me. But, I mean, I only bring this out as a point is to show them, like, how much dementia awareness do we really need to work in this profession. So it's uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it really is. It's been a great, great week on this. It's um, been a long week on this. We're doing morning and evening sessions. I mean, yesterday we did a double on that stuff. But um, it's all going good. And they have, uh, i got to say, HMA. Who's the owner of Brooksville Regional Hospital is no longer calling this a pilot program. We're getting ready to roll this into Spring Hill Regional, Pasco Regional. We already have two other hospitals in line 
to get going on this, and HMA has just sent out in their in-house magazine, they just notified all the other hospitals with a major article on this to be basically prepared for this. So this is this is moving. We're talking about 80 hospitals are going to be involved here in a pretty short period of time. Wow. Is that cool or what? Congratulations, because you have yeah, worked this your is, uh, tail This off. is something that it needed to be in place. It's just... Thing is, I'm going to tell you. I, t- I talked about it on your show before. These hospitals are gigantic corporate machines, and to get them mm-hmm. to change is very difficult. But once mm-hmm. you get them started, it's going to be easier now. So, yep. So I do want to say to your listeners, I go. If everybody keeps asking me, how can I get this started in my area? I go. You can go on HMA, where there's a Health Managing Associates website, and they have a location map. You know, if you have the HMA hospital in your state, and I would contact your Alzheimer's chapter that area and have them contact that hospital because these people all know about it. The All-Time Association has sent out an email to all the local chapters, all the chapters throughout the nation, talking about the program. So, I mean, this is uh, that's how I would get it started to answer these people that question. Contact your local All-Time Association chapter and have them contact the local HMA hospital. And that's how you could get this started in your neighborhood. Okay, because I've talked with a couple of them and I've just given them the link to your site to contact because I wasn't quite sure on that, but I knew that if I gave them to you, you'd get them where they needed to needed to go for sure. Okay. On that, um, there well, is something happening. That I, I don't want to talk too much about it and jinx it, but there might be a merge happening where um, if we're not talking 80 hospitals, we might be talking 220 hospitals. But mm-hmm. it hasn't. We're waiting for the vote from the stockholders and all this stuff, and this this could just be huge. We're talking nationwide if this takes place, but I don't uh-huh. want to jinx it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But all good things well, happen. Very, very so, exciting. Very, I mean, you've been working on it for so long, but it, then it just hit this level, and now it's just taken off. It took me four years to get to the beginning, if you want mm-hmm. to put it that way. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. this is four years to get to the final. It's four years to just get to the beginning. So, mm-hmm. But uh, we have started now. The beginning has started. Like I said, next week. September 3rd is going to be the first hospital of the first. I mean, so, and that's what I've been telling all these people in the class. I go, you guys are the first of the first to be involved in this. I mean, so we're gonna we're gonna learn from you guys. We're all gonna work together on this, get this program running smooth, and then we're gonna enroll it in the other hospitals. So, uh, so the whole staff has been very been great about it. I will say at the hospital, they're they're sitting there, they're, they're excited. I mean, it's, it's a good thing's happening. Now on mm-hmm. uh, September 21st, which is Dementia Awareness Day. Uh, we're running a we got Arden Courts are coming into the hospital, Brooksville Regional. They're gonna set up a free dimensional virtual tour. We got the all time association coming in for the hospital. We got a big thing happening that Saturday. So we got the news press coming in, we got the Champa Tribune coming in, Hinano today, we got a lot of media events happening on that day. So pretty exciting. The hospital gave us three rooms on the third floor to set up the tour, the virtual dimension tour. It's gonna be from like nine to five for the community and everything. So that's pretty exciting going on too. Well, and that's just massive. That's, I mean, that tour is just something else. I, I, I mean, I can't talk enough about that, um, what that does for people in terms of understanding what this disease is like. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, are, are you trying to get the hospitals to work at all, or have you considered um, using Barbara Brock's um, Comprehensive reality clock test at all for dementia? What we're doing, we were going to use the mini cog test that was originated over in Boston, and there mm-hmm. was some copyright problems with that. So the, mm-hmm. the, the head neurologist at Brooksville Regional has made his own mini cog test, basically, which we're going to start with. 
And it's a small test. You get on the in the hospitals, everything's fast. I mean, it's, everything's fast-paced. It's too like, too like the mini mental exam to every patient is talking to you 10, 15 minutes, you know, or better. So we're going to mm-hmm. do a mini card test. If they, pour, if they score poorly on that, then we're going to bring them into the mental mental state exam. So, uh, okay. Something. And we're going to talk, well, we're talking for the next six months, we're testing everybody. I mean, I'm not talking the little kids, you know, but anybody mm-hmm. in reason that's showing any sign, lucid signs that they're not lucid, they're going to get a mini card test. So how many cases of early diagnosis are we going to catch? I don't know, but it could be yep. huge. I mean, yep. so, that's for like sure. That. Well, I would I would really encourage you to or have the hospital talk with Barbara because I think that that clock test is amazing, and it can be used for so many other things just beside not just dementia, but dementia definitely, but um, from incontinence uh, to spotting infections to um, fall prevention um, to concussions. I mean, for for the sports injuries alone, but. Well, cool. I know you got your hands um, full, though. Unfortunately, we're, we're dealing with acute care in the hospitals, and everything has to be fast. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're looking. At, that's why they're going with the mini cog. And if it's, so, so if they score poorly on that, like I said, maybe something like you know the Barbara Clark test that we're talking about there. But we got to mm-hmm. do something quickly as they come in and they're admitted on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the perfect situation, I mean, but we're fixing a lot of problems on this. So, but it's, start, it's, it's a start. not going to fix it's everything, a, but it's definitely a major step in the right direction. Yep. I mean, just when I was there doing the training sessions, you know, last night I was trying to get out of there to 11 o'clock last night. These nurses were telling me, go, just today we had this guy in here we had major problems with. I mean, so this is just one thing after another over there. You know? Well, so, now they're going to be aware of it. It's like buying they're a... They're going to be aware of it. You're going to... Uh, it's kind of like when you go to buy a new car and you don't see any on the street, and then all of a sudden you decide, I'm going to get that little red car, and now there's 150 of them and everybody's got them. Right. <laughs> you know? Because you, I thought I had the only one, right? Yeah, because you, you're consciously aware of it. Um, if any of our listeners have any questions for Gary, we'd be more than glad to more than glad to take those. I just think this is so, so exciting. On the new site, when I roll it out, I don't have this up yet, um, but I would love for the hospitals to list themselves in the directory um, in, the, in our Alzheimer's um, directory so that people know that they're dementia-aware. I'm actually going to also put a couple pages together, one for businesses that can be listed and then one for um, communities that become dementia-friendly because it's, you know, we might be a little bit slower than the U.K. over here, but we're, we're gaining momentum and, um you know, it's going to happen, and people need to know where they can find these resources, where they can find these communities, where they can find these um, health centers that are taking this seriously and are going to deal appropriately with those diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or other dementias. That's just very, very critical. And um, so I'll keep you posted on, on that because we'd love to love to have yeah. you guys all be be part of that and, again, work together. I just uh, want so to mention, too, that it's not just a wristband. They're also placing a magnet on the door frames, whether they're in the window side of the room or the door side of the room, you know, as they go through it. So I've been explaining that this is one thing we're preaching over there, is that when you walk in and you see that purple angel, you have to introduce yourself every single time. And they look at me, you know, but they're getting it, you know. So it's going to take some work. And when I mainly at the end of the session, I said, everything you learn, if you find something that's working well, you need to share it with your coworkers. Because you know and yep. I know that every patient is different. 
You know, like like my friend Norm says from England, if you met one Alzheimer's patient, you met one. You know, yep. and, and that's basically I've been using that as as we're teaching these people that. Well, and the thing that they don't realize is, I mean, they do their job all the time, and um, but when you're a patient, you get bombarded with faces and different roles, and it's, I mean, even without dementia, it's hard to keep everybody straight. Right. You know, I, I are you here them, to take my temperature, give me a pill, or take me to an appointment? <laughs> I, I explain to them that questions are the roots of all evils, and in the hospital, mm-hmm. there's nothing but questions. Mm-hmm. It's only questions almost. Even if it's like, what do you want for lunch today? I mean, it's nothing but questions. So when you get somebody that's suffering with dementia, I mean, it's just building their anxiety up. You get strange faces, you know noisy equipment going on. It's just a mess for these people. And the point is they're not there for Alzheimer's and dementia. So something has been happening to these people maybe for a couple of weeks before they even get there, mm-hmm. building up their the confusion and everything. If it's something that's a UTI. You know something's been taking place for the week or two weeks ahead of time. So by the time they yep. get there, they're really a mess, you know. Mm-hmm. And the family's a mess. That's the other thing we're preaching to them. I go, you know, we're really working on building the better bridges of communications. That's one thing we've been stressing between the families and the pay- and nursing staff and the care facilities. Because bottom line, there's no communication between the hospital and the care facilities. The only yep. communication I've been hearing is like, hey, your patients in transport, they're on their way back to the facility. <laughs> and that's that's the problem with this, you know. Yep. A lot of these people are coming in come. with no family members at all. Those are the ones that scare me the most. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rose is saying that she would love to see this get started at Juniper Hospital. And, um, Rose, are you down in Florida where Gary is, too? If you can write in the chat box there, Gary, you might even know that hospital. Um, I'm just not sure. I can't remember offhand where where Rose is located. She's um, in Florida? I, I, I'm thinking she is, but we'll see what she types up or if she's still if she's still with us or not. She wrote yeah, Juniper. No, HMA but, uh, has about around 15 hospitals just in Florida. And actually, mm-hmm. they just bought out eight more hospitals. They bought out the Bayfront Hospitals. This was a great chain. So they're adding eight more onto that. And for, actually, Brooksville Regional is changing their name to Bayfront, Bayfront Brooksville Hospital. After two okay. years of promoting their name, they're going to changing it on me. But that's okay. You know. Oh, and I said Juniper, and it's Jupiter. Jupiter, Florida. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, so, that's so this probably, most, I'll tell you one clue, is that the hospital's la- ends and the, their name has regional in it. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. sign they're in HMA, you know, like okay. like Brookville Regional Hospital or, you know, Lakeside Regional Hospital. I mean, most of the ones that say, not all of them, but most of them that have the word regional in the name is in HMA. Okay. So. Okay. And I have no idea what ours are up here in, in Minnesota, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um, we've got a group up here called Act on Alzheimer's, which, um, you know, is a collaboration of, about 50 different organizations that is out to make some changes. So hopefully they'll they'll um, pick this up and, and run with this as well. Um, they've just got through doing some surveys and so forth. But it's a long it's a long process trying to make these changes. Like you said, right. um, it took you even, four years to give birth to this thing. You know, that's right. a long even, time to carry your baby. Yep. Even if you start with a hospital right now, it's probably going to be a year for it's in process. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just what that's just policy. That's what it takes on it. So we need to start now. I think 2014 yep. is going to be huge for this. I think we're gonna you're gonna see a lot of this adapt, adaptation coming on in next year on this. So now that we get it started, I mean peer pressure is going to go a long ways with this too. So we'll mm-hmm. try to get the other chains in this. So wonderful. So, well, I really ground, it, it is started. I mean, that's just, I can't ask for much more than that right now. I mean, this is fantastic. So. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I so appreciate you um, calling in um, and and updating us because I've been, you know, I've just been so dang busy. I haven't been um, looking at all the articles as much as I would like to just because of my schedule. But, you know, it is what it is some days and that's all you can do. (laughs) If I can continue on one more thing, the biggest point that I'm pushing to these girls, anybody in the hospital, is that you cannot take dementia patients' medical history by what they say. You have to verify everything. Mm-hmm. And I explained to him, I go, I took care of my dad for 10 years. I go, one morning I woke up, and I looked at that man, I said, my goodness, I know this man better than himself. Mm-hmm. Right? So now when I'm taking him to the hospital, he doesn't even know where his childhood was anymore, where he was born or anything. I go, who are you going to ask about his medical history, him or me? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I ask him that again. I go, who now? You know, just to drill it into them a little bit. So that's one thing we really get that point pushed on this training, and that's really good. I mean, bottom line, the guy could tell you he's from Houston, never been to Houston in his life. That's not that crucial. But when the guy says, have you ever had surgery before, and the guy goes, no, and he had surgery three weeks ago, this is something that's pretty serious. Yeah. Are are they looking at doing something upon admission about getting powers of attorney signed for health information? you know, from families, because that is just such a critical piece, and not everybody has that in place, and, I mean, everybody's hands are kind of tied, and, but it's a make or break um, in terms of treatment. That's, I wrote an article last week on that, it came out on last Sunday's paper down here, and that was what it stressed about, because the hospital has been stressing to me, the administration, it goes, we need to get the caregivers to come in right off the bat with their power of attorney papers, not go home later and get them and all this. It needs to be done right off the bat. If you have mm-hmm. them, I mean, if you don't have them, you've got a problem going on here. So everybody needs to really get their stuff in order. I mean, there's no time like today, I mean, to talk to another law attorney to get this stuff started on it. But if you have your papers, either the health uh, circuit or your power of attorney papers, and sometimes ha- things happen quickly and you have an emergency, you're on your way to the hospital, you don't have a chance. But if you have a heads up, you need to have all that paperwork with you. By handing it to them right at the front desk, right at the right at the beginning, they're going to understand that you are that patient's advocate in writing more yep. or less. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's very yep. important. The hospital has been stressing that to me. Uh, so I did an article on it last week on it. And the article was very well received, I will say, on that. So. Wonderful. Well, wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today, Gary, and I know that you've got to run. You're doing another uh, radio interview, it sounds like. Do you want to tell people where they can uh, hear you talking about? Yeah, to be a careful, uh, be a healthy caregiver with Chris McCallan. Uh-huh. Uh, we're doing him at one o'clock. So I got uh, anybody that follows me on Facebook or anything, we got the site posted. Oh yeah, or I got the link on my website also. It's uh, commonsensecaregiving.com. dot com. Common sense caregiving, one long word. So. Well, great. And why don't you put a plug in for your book, Gare? Yeah, I've written uh, written several books, but staying afloat in the sea of forgetfulness is truly a it's a fantastic resource guide, and it'll take you from the beginning of the journey to the end. You can get it off of the Common Sense Caregiving site or Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's all on the other sites also. So, definitely will help you. It's definitely been a great resource guide on it. So. Right. I've been contacted right. to do a third edition on it. Uh, it has nothing in nothing in writing yet, but there's a possibility to be a lot of third edition coming out on it. So, mm-hmm. a lot wonderful. Of things happen. Well, good. Well, keep up the fantastic word. Uh, the more people we have like you, the the better. Here, um, Rose is saying something. She said, "So true, Gary. I spent two days at." Um, 
Jupiter Hospital and couldn't believe dementia folks parked next to the nurse's desk because they were yelling, help. I hate to say it, but these professionals had no idea how to handle the dementia patients. They don't. And, um, you know, and that needs to be corrected. I'm going to tell you something that's really strange here in Florida is that they have a state law here that if you lo- if you work in a li- assisted living or a nursing care facility, you have to have a small course of dementia training. And mm-hmm. basically it's an online course that they're taking. But if you work in a hospital, you don't need any. Uh-huh. And that's just to me, it's just backwards almost. I mean, it's just, you know, not that it's backwards, but they both need the dementia training. So this is what we're working on. This this past week with these courses that we've been training has been fantastic. And i got to say, these... We've really made a big difference. These people are getting it. They really are, mm-hmm. you know, because they've already experienced it. They they see the stuff coming in, and they just don't know how to handle it. And that's what's the problem is they just don't know. So we're working on this. It's going to take some time, but we're getting there. One you know, one class at a time, one hospital at a time. You know, we're yep. working on dementia training, and the same yep. time Nothing getting the community involved. You know, so yeah. Nothing happens overnight. You know, no. so it no, just. We know that. Uh, yeah, well, wonderful. First thing well, you thank learn, you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I'll let you go. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Gary. Right. Great, tech. great being here. Thank you. Great. It was so nice for Gary to call in and to be, for us to be able to get an update on on what he's what he's doing. What a fabulous, fabulous project the the dementia um, wristband project for hospitals. Um, uh, very, very neat, neat thing. So it's it's nice to hear the progress and the potential expansion of that pro- process um, as well. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Again, if you're in need of resources, you know, go to the Alzheimer's um, Disease International site. There you'll be able to find any Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world so you can find one closest to you. Um, I also always encourage you to go to our website, which is Alzheimer's speaks.com and look for our our new face uh we should be rolling out the new site yet this week it'll look pretty similar but um there's some changes that i will definitely notice with that one of the things is to be able to input information into the resource directory we've made that a little bit more user friendly you'll have to register now but you'll be able to go in and also make adjustments to that and the same registration will allow you to go in and access the free tools and and newsletters um, because we really want people around the world sharing information of what is working uh, for them uh, in the area of dementia. And again, remember, it doesn't have to be your particular business. It might be a book or a movie or a video or a blog that you read that you want to share with somebody else, or it might be a service. It could be an attorney or a housing community or somebody who does transportation or helped you with communication or has a great art project. There's lots of diversity. If we don't have a specific category, shoot me an email and we'll just get one added. Um, Again, this is to be a collaborative brain um, and um, mining system for resources there. So looking forward to um, speaking with you all again next week. And on that show, again, we're going to have Jane Snyder with Puzzle With Me. And we will um, also be having 
um, with us. No, I just lost. I've got somebody else. Um, we are also going to be having the uh, Life Game um, people with us, and that's going to be absolutely, that's a really cool, cool game as well. So I'm excited to have them on. They sent me a sample, and so it should be uh, should be a very interesting show. And again, later this afternoon, we'll be doing the Dementia Chats. So feel free to check us out um, if you can't. Listen um, or be part of the webinar this afternoon. Again, they will be recorded, and you'll have an opportunity to see the archives just like with the radio shows. And one last time, if you haven't liked or tweeted the show out, I would appreciate you doing that. Again, it's a small way that we can work together to be able to share knowledge. So thanks again. Have a wonderful holiday weekend, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.